This week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join me the show this week, as ever. We have Paul Whiteside, right, Paul? Hey, Rob, you okay? How's your How's your weekend been, mate? Not too bad, yeah. Quite relaxing, really, mate. Not Not bad at all, though. No rugby league, really. You know, with our game being on Thursday, watched a bit of the matches on uh, on Friday, but no, quite a chilled chilled weekend, and uh, done a bit of writing and what have you. And that's it, really. Nice and uh, nice and peaceful. Yeah, managed to catch a few games this weekend. It was uh, they played some good rugby. I think you know all these teams playing over you know a couple of days at the same stadium. You know you could kind of get used to it if it if it does prolong this thing in rugby league. Yeah, I think the matches have been really good. I mean, I caught a bit of the um, which game was it? The St. Helens and Wakefield game on Friday night, and I felt really sorry for Wakefield. I thought they played really well. I backed them as well. Twenty-two to one, I bought a fiver, and I got excited when they were winning twelve ten. But I know Josh Wood got man of the match, didn't he? And played really well. You know, former Salford player and Matty Ashurst as well. I thought he was fantastic for Wakefield. That was a, re- a really good game. And then I caught a bit of the Warrington and, and Wigan game as well, which was another close one. So there's been some, been some really, uh, really entertaining games this week. Yeah, but we, we're hoping someday soon we'll all get back behind, back behind. Well, back in the uh, breast box and you know with the crowds. Yeah, I think so now, Rob. It's, um, you know, I think the players are, are missing it, aren't they? I spoke to Chris Atkin tonight and I think it, it's tough for the players, isn't it, playing behind closed doors? And well, It was probably a bit of a novelty at the start, wasn't it? Because they'd, they'd not played for so long and they wanted to get back playing. And I think they're missing the crowds now, aren't they? And I think the whole the whole thing of, of interaction with players and you can't do this, you can't do that, you can have a bloody mask on here and, and there. So it's um, it's been been a tough sort of year, hasn't it, 2020 since uh, since March. So I think hopefully, you know, in the near future, we might get to some sort of normality, but I don't know what, when that's going to be. But but no, like you say, it's been entertaining watching the games. I caught a bit of the Australian rugby weekend as well. And, you know, they, they seem to be back to, to full strength there. now. I don't the stadium seemed nice and full and, you know, particularly enjoying the uh, Canberra Raiders, their their little runner form that they're having. So with the, with some good English players in the team as well, you know, lots of George Williams over there and, and John Bateman. It's been some really good stuff, and they're at the playoff stage of their season now. So there's going to be some good entertaining matches on the telly over the next few weeks. Yeah, I don't like watching Australia rugby league because it's so quick and so everyone's so powerful. You think to yourself, you know, how, how are we going to cope here? You know, because obviously the Australians are the best, aren't they, in the world at it and. You know, you watch them on the telly, and then you manage to stick a game on uh, in in Super League, and it's it's just not the same. The tempo's not the same. Even though even though Ian Watson and the players really do try their hard, they're not too far away, but there is a gap. There certainly is a gap. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the NRL. I don't really see a lot of it because I don't have Sky. I only get it when the the games are on free, or if if I see it at my dad's house or whatever, or he tapes it. But I take a keen interest in in Canberra, you know, just because of you know Elliot White, and Josh Hodgson, George Williams, and 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 Co who were over there, and, and some of the lads who were at, at, at South as well, you know, Burgess and, and what have you. So I do like to uh, to watch the English guys play over there, but. For me, the, the state of origin, I don't, I've not seen much state of origin. Like I said, I've not got a Sky, but when I used to have Sky and used to watch that, I used to love watching that. It used to be absolutely fantastic. Wednesday Wednesday morning, get a day off work and watch a, 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 a North Queensland and New, uh, sorry, Queensland and, and New South Wales game. I mean, some of those games were absolute you know, bell ringers, weren't they, really? With that test test rugby, you know, two sides knocking the hell out of each other. So it is totally different. It's, it's a different tempo what they play over there, isn't it? And uh, no, we, we all like our domestic stuff, but no, I, I don't mind delving into Australian rugby league every now and again. 
yeah, I think the Origin, it's kind of the best against the best in it, and they up their level against each other, which helps when they play the likes of Britain and New Zealand because they know they've got an extra gear to go to. And I think the problem with us and our, and our Super League is that we haven't got that extra big competition like the War of the Roses or something like that that the players can go at extra level. And it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing because obviously these Super League clubs play pay the players, don't they? And they want them to play you know, for them all the time. So playing in these Roses matches, if they ever come back and sustain injury, would be a real bit of blow for, for these clubs. And that's probably why they shy against, shy away from stuff like that. Yeah, I think for me, I've always thought of the state of origin as like um, a trial to play for the Kangaroos. It's like a trial to play for the test team. And I think that's why it's so... Um, it's so physical and it's so crucial to them, really. It seems to mean an awful lot to the two states, doesn't it, in Australia? And, you know, it's so intense and the, the competition's so intense, the rivalry's so intense as well. I don't think we'd ever get that from a, a War of the Roses. I think, like you say, I, I think now the Super League and has become sort of a big business. And, and, I mean, even International Rugby League, I think sometimes the clubs tend to favour themselves over that, don't they? It's, it's sort of an us and them mentality. So I don't think we'd ever get that where we'd have something as, as important as what they have as the state of origin. But no, who knows what's around the corner. But no, I've enjoyed watching all sorts of rugby league over, over this period with it being on telly. I was talking to a friend of mine today, Chris Chris Harwood, a big Salford supporter. He's just stand with at the, the, the Willows. And Chris lives in Australia now. And he was saying to me how, how great this lockdown has been in a funny sort of way for him because he's been to watch because he lives in Australia now, he's watched more of Salford this season than than ever. Because you know, since he's left the country, because we're not on telly that very often. But now we're being on telly every week with these these games. Now it's been great. It's been it's like been a season to get older again, but I see loads of us. So there has been one or two good things from this, uh, you know, television uh, based matches. Yeah, I think it's exposure, Paul. I think that's the the positive thing about what's happened with the corona crisis in the game is that everybody has had their games on the telly and it helps promote the teams, it helps promote the sport and it helps generate sponsors for the clubs and it's it's important the clubs and, and the Super League build on that because we aren't out the woods yet. This corona is going to be here for, for a while and it'll be interesting to see how things develop because we don't know what's going to happen next season with, with season tickets. And we're looking at the football, aren't we? With the Premier League talking about paying £15 a, a game. And it's a lot of money for the Premier League. But in, in Super League, would we would we accept that? Would, would we ha- would be happy to play season ticket plus 15 quid on top if, you know, you weren't going to the game? Um, I don't know. I'm hoping that we're going to be a go next season, Rob. Um, mm. I don't see how life can continue like this much longer. I mean, you're talking about people losing jobs, aren't you? And places closing. And I think the government, I mean, without getting too political, have got to sort of look at things soon and think, what do we want? Do we want places to just be ghost towns and nobody to be working? Or are we prepared to to take a risk with, with things or or are people prepared to take a risk and people who aren't prepared to take a risk sort of isolate I don't know what will happen in the future and I don't really like talking about it but um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, like you say it, it's tough for the clubs isn't it with, with nobody going and especially lower lower league clubs you look at leagues in league, teams in league one in the championship particularly the lower end ones who don't get the big 
the big crowds. I'm not talking about the likes of Lee. They probably get decent gates and have a bit of income and a, and a big backer behind them. You know, you, you go down the, the food chain slightly. You go to like the likes of West Wales and maybe Dewsbury, Batley, teams like that, you know, Barrow. Some of the Cumbrian sides, you've not got all that money behind them. You know, Keith Litter, sides like that. You've been out of the limelight for so long. How, how are these guys going to go on? Because they, they are reliant on that sort of gate money. And I know non-league football and teams like down, down that sort of chain have been having sort of small crowds in. and if we can do that with some of these teams that might really help them just to get some revenue in when the season starts next year but obviously that's quite a long way around the corner only in October aren't we so if the season's not going to start until March we've still got a good few months for, for something to happen but it's, it's it's worrying times isn't it for people It is worrying it is worrying Paul and you know like you said the clubs in the pyramid it's, it, they're the clubs you kind of worry about the most because like you said they aren't money, they aren't cash, you know, strapped. They're not cash full, are they? You know, they need every penny and we, we don't know what the plans are for next season. I'm sure there's discussions going on behind the scenes between all the clubs and the Super League and the RFL because it's not going to change. Nothing's going to change before March unless some, uh, some uh, what's it called? comes in and, and, and fixes the problem. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens, Paul. Loads and loads to go at. Uh, this week, we're going to look back at the victory against uh, Huddersfield. You've got, we've got an interview with Chris Atkin. Uh, he talks about, uh, well, he looks forward to to, to uh, rugby league in the next couple of weeks. Paul, that was an exciting interview. Lots to look forward to there. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I don't think Chris is looking past the Old Kingston Rovers game. Really, he's been selected in the squad for Tuesday, and uh, I think they'll, they'll they've got their eye on Leeds, haven't they? Like he says, but they want to get through this OKR game first, and then enjoy the uh, the days building up to Wembley. Yeah, we've got all the big news uh, coming out of the club this week and then we'll look forward to the Hulkingston Rovers game on Tuesday. So what we'll do, Paul, we'll look back at the victory against Huddersfield Giants. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So, Salford Devils were victorious. They beat Huddersfield Giants 24 points to 16. Fifth win on the spin, Paul, in all competitions. Great result for Ian Watson's men. It was a good result, yeah. It was a good result against a very physical and tough Huddersfield side who'd, you know, parted company with their coach Simon Wolf and recently brought Luke Robinson in and, and enjoyed some good results. They'd won three games on the spin and they were full of confidence. They had three good wins as well. So this was always going to be a tough game for us, particularly backing up from uh, you know a semi-final win and all the euphoria. Yeah, so I think to back it up in that game was, was going to be tough. You know, the above us in the table and they've already beat us once this season. So the physical side, as I said, and um, we, we had to come back. We had to do it the hard way again. I thought we showed a, you know, a real physical edge to our, ourselves in that game. We, we played against a decent Huddersfield pack and, you know, come away and pass the test. Yeah, looking at Salford team. Dan Sargent at fullback, Reese Williams, Callum Watkins, Chris Wellham, Chris Nan, Inu, Tui here, Chris Atkin, Lee Mossop, Joey Lussick, Gil Dudson, Ryan Lannan, James Greenwood and Luke Yates. On the bench was Andy Akers, Polly Parley, Greg Burke and Jack Armandroyd. Paul, looking at this team... No Kevin Brown in it, but quite a strong side. Ian Watson knows he's got games that are coming up and the important one is, is Leeds you know, at the end of the week, but it's important he still plays a strong side with these games to come. We, we talk about win percentages and it's important we keep racking them up because we're relying on other teams dropping theirs and us, and us growing ours. 
Oh, that's right. I think I don't think you can sort of rest all your players now for two weeks and wrap them in cotton wool or put them back in the Sabutio box to Wembley, can you? You need you need players to be fit and battle-handed and ready to play. You know, you rest everybody and, and they all come out at Wembley on the 17th. They're going to be undercooked, aren't they? And, and that's when you're going to get found out. So it's, it's getting that balance now and I'm sure what I was going to play players on Tuesday night. If you look at the squad for Tuesday, it's quite a strong squad. I know they, they brought the long guys back in and some of the, the young players, Conor Aspie and Lewis Roberts, are in for Tuesday. But there's still plenty of experience in that squad and there was plenty of experience on show against Huddersfield. So I think he's just finding that blend now of just rotating it and making sure players are going to peak at the right time. And, you know, the, the side we played against Huddersfield, there, it's, it's a strong side, that. And um, the players that played, you know, Chris Atkin came in, did a good job and he'll be throwing his hat in the ring there to play play at Wembley. You've got three players there and three doesn't go into two. So he's going to have to make some decisions. Bottle, and that's what makes it so exciting. Against Hulk Air this Tuesday, Atkin's going to get a chance. He's going to bust his gut to have a, have a world-class game and put his hand up to Wattle to be selected for Wembley. So that, that's the, the, the good thing now. You've got players battling to, to play in this final. Yeah, the Huddersfield game didn't start too well for Salford. Uh, 12-0 down, try from Kudjo uh, and uh, Caesar gave them the lead. Yeah, we battled back, Paul, but we can't keep giving teams a start. It's a good sign that we can battle back, but you will come unstuck one day. You will, I think, no disrespect to Huddersfield, but some of the, the, the sort of top sides in the, in the league, you know, like the Saints and... Wigan and I'd like to say Warrington, but we came back against them, didn't we? But you, you know what I mean. And Leeds, particular, I think they might have a bit more resolve and I mean, a bit more nous. Uh, particularly Leeds, you know, they've got a decent pair of halfbacks there. If you let them get a lead, they're gonna gonna boss the game. They're gonna manage the game, aren't they? They're gonna play you out of the game. So you can't afford to let them have a have a twelve point start. I mean, I know we did against against Huddersfield, but we got a bit of a slice of luck in that game. We got an interception try from Chris Atkin. I know it had to be scored, but you know, if he hadn't scored that try, if we hadn't got the interception there, that game could have been totally different. To me, that was the the momentum shift there. Atkin goes over on the half an hour mark. We'd had a man simbin and we'd we defended really well there, showed a lot of resilience. And I think we'd we'd sort of put the put the brakes on Huddersfield there. And I think we'd frustrated him. And, and not their confidence. They didn't score against 12 men, did they? And we did. And it dragged us back into the game. Yeah, we talk about momentum shifts and that try from Atkin. Because Huddersfield, for me, at that point, were pushing. And for us to snatch that initiative back is, is an important thing. And this team know how to, how to manage a game now. And they knew at that point that it was a big moment in the game and, and it continued to, to show that. Yeah, it was a big moment in the game. Like I said, at twelve points to nil down, you you staring uh, you staring down a defeat there, aren't you? You know, you let another try and eighteen nil down. You, not many teams come back from that, so it was a very vital we we scored there. Vital impulse we scored. Chris Atkin got the try after that side from Simbin, and, and we needed to show that resilience then after that, and we did. Our defence was really good for that final ten minutes of the, of the first half. Uh, we got a penalty goal right on half time, and like we did against Warrington, we we, we took the two. And um, confidence boost going in at half time. You're only 12 points to eight behind. And uh, it's just that one score again. And we've done that two weeks running now. And then we've come out the second half um, and we've been totally different. I don't know what Watto said to him at half time, but we've gone in nice and calm, scoring right on half time, come out the second half, scored the first try, and then look the better side then. Yeah. Taylor, two sin bins, Paul, though. 
before either half of either side of half time. Dan Sanchez sinbin for a sort of pressure on the neck tackle, and Kenny Edwards sinbin after for holding down. And Salford made the most out of, of them uh, that period for me. But looking at the two incidents, do, do you think Sanchez was right to, to get bin for what he did? For me personally, I don't think he, I don't think he did deserve to be sinbin. I think it looked like a total accident to me, but. Unfortunately, the referee saw it as a foul. He got he got his 10 minutes in the bin. But Huddersfield didn't really take massive advantage of that, and we did when Edwards went in the bin. Yeah, the Sargeson incident, I, I couldn't see it from where I was sat in the stand at Edinley and that new south stand. I mean, you must admit, it's a fantastic facility, that as well. But I sat quite high up, so I couldn't really see what had gone on. Um, it all happened so quick, and there's no... At these lockdown games now, they, they don't have a well, they have a big screen, but they don't have it switched on, so they don't have the television replay. So you, you've not got the, the you know the, the benefit of seeing those. So I've not seen it back. But I was speaking to my dad the other day, and he was sort of saying a lot of these tackles now, these these crusher tackles, you know, some of the uh, responsibility must lie with the ball carrier. A lot of players are backing into tackles, and it's very difficult sometimes for the guy tackling to pull out of the tackle. So I don't think some of these are intentional at the time. I don't think that was from Dan Sargis, and so. Hopefully he doesn't get banned. I've not heard anything about him being cited, and I didn't hear anything about Tyrone McCarthy the week before. So hopefully, um, you know, we've the sim bin is sufficient for that. But yeah, I think I think some of the players need to be warned about the way they're going into tackles, and some responsibility's got to go with them as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it was the side someone. It just seemed to it just seemed to be a total accident, but unfortunately. It happened, and you're hoping that he won't sort of suffer any consequences from that in the next couple of days with with the cup final coming up. But Salford, you know, found their way back into the game. Two tries from Christian Inu, good hands from Sardison and Wellen sent a big winger over in the corner, and that is what he's all about. He knows where the line is. People talk about how casual he is on the field, Paul, but. When it matters, when the ball lands in his hands, he's switched on as anybody and he knows where the line is. Yeah, he's got a good centre playing with him as well in, in Chris. Well, let's say a good, an excellent centre playing <laughs> with him. And they seem to have got a really good understanding, those two, don't they? And Willem's, um, you know, he's a master of that, that tip on pass, isn't he, as well? He's got really quick hands and you've only got to give Chris Nenu half a yard uh, and it'll be over, you know, for such a big man. You know, he's a big bloke, big powerful bloke. He can finish, you know, once he gets airborne and gets round his winger he'll score and he, he did really well again in that game. His form has gone through the roof over the last month. I think he's been absolutely excellent and, um, you know, he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet now. You know, his goal kicking is absolutely tremendous. He's really reliable and he's doing he's doing everything right. He does all the good things. Like you say, he's, he's very calm on the pitch. He doesn't get flustered. Um, sometimes he can be a bit too calm, I think, and a bit too relaxed at the back of the way he throws, throws some of these passes out. But, no, I think he's been uh, been tremendous and uh, his finishing has been has been really good. Yeah, second try. I think he did he, he bump off the, the, the Huddersfield winger, show pure strength and, you know, managed to reach over the line. He, score, he scores different kinds of tries and, you know, that's what you need. Suppose with Salford, we've, we've always had a fast winger and a thinking winger, but Inu, he, he knows where the line is and he's, and he's allowed to show brute strength to get over there. Yeah, and, and it seems effortless sometimes, some of the stuff that he does. He, he just seems to have a lot, an awful lot of natural-born talent, doesn't he, Kristen? And he, and he makes it look so easy sometimes, like the, the try he scored against Warrington, the way he leapt in the air there. He seemed to get so high off the ground and just makes it look easy. Really, really sort of natural-born, talented player. And, you know, um, somebody that's... 
bit of a bit of a maverick, really, isn't it? A bit of a maverick player, and other teams can't quite can't quite deal with him sometimes, and you know the tricks he comes up with. So he's a very very dangerous player. I'm sure you know going forward, looking forward to the, the Leeds game, that they'll be they'll be targeting him. They're worried about him and the, the threat that he possesses. But I thought in that that Huddersfield game, he was he was hands down. You know, one of the best players on the pitch. He really was a threat, and Huddersfield couldn't deal with him. They, they didn't know how to deal with him. And like I said, with Chris Willem there supplying him with the ammunition, he's he's finishing off the, the tries really well. Yeah, Huddersfield did hit back though with a try from Caesar um, to make it sixteen eighteen. But at that point, Salford for me, Paul, were in, were looked in control. No panic, no fear, no anxiety. They just played out what they, they played out the plan, and that's the important thing I think about this side. There's no anxiety going on, and they know how to win matches, and that's important I think moving forward. We've got big games to come, including Saturday, and if they keep in this habit and keep winning games, it's only going to be good for us. Yeah, of course, it's winning's a habit, isn't it? We we mentioned that before we spoke about last season and the, the run to the grand final last year. I mean, it just seemed to snowball, didn't we? We kept winning matches and. You know, winning winning tough games as well. You look back to the whole game, we beat them on Golden Point, um, extra time at Salford. They were hard wins, some of them. They weren't all, all sort of beer and Skittles hammering, were they? They were tough games. And, you know, this one against Huddersfield was a tough match. You know, it wasn't wasn't over that. I mean, Aidan Caesar there scored that try and he hit the post from the conversion. I mean, that was very unlike him. It was quite quite a comfortable conversion, really. He was only a, sort of a few yards to the left of the post and you'd have expected him to back heel that over and he hit the post from that bit of pressure. And that gives us that that two point lead. We score again, then you've got the eight point lead. So sometimes you need that bit of luck as well. And we seem to have got that at the moment. We seem to be making our own luck and riding our luck. And I think the confidence is a massive thing. The players have got that belief that when they do go behind, they can come back and win matches. But I know we've spoke before. We don't want to go behind. We want to make sure we get a good start. But they have got that belief, that resilience as well to go down to twelve men and, and, and defend. I think for me, the last few weeks, what's most impressed me, on top of the good tries we've scored, is our our defence. I think our defence won as the won as the semi final, and I think for large parts of that game against Huddersfield, it did the same and won as that game. Yeah, bit of the podcast bingo, eh, Paul. Where does confidence come from? Where does it go? And 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 that's what it is. I think you know people. You know, look at the look. Huddersfield hit the post. Inu hit the post and goes in, and 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 you grow with from moments like that, Paul. And and it's important we we keep this momentum going. It's it's important that we've got games to come. We keep winning them, and and I've said that before, and I'll say it again. If you get the habit farming and and creating that squad, the sky's out. The sky's the limit for the, for this team, and and super exciting time. To be a Salford fan, and we're looking at this team, obviously we aren't able to be in the stadium to enjoy it, but it's a, it's a brilliant time, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Where does confidence go? Where does it come from? That's a bit of Andy Whiteside bingo. That's one of, <laughs> me, that's one of my dad's favourite sayings. That. So, so yeah, but it's right though. It really is right. You know, winning breeds confidence, isn't that? That winning mentality. And, and like you said, we're playing some really good stuff at the moment. And I know we spoke the other week about what some of the pundits had said about us being this sort of scrapyard dog team and I thought that was a bit disrespectful to what won the players I think we're playing some really good stuff we're scoring some great tries some great ball movement we've, our halfbacks are playing really well and, and gelling together and I know we we, we rested Kevin Brown on, on, on Thursday and I thought Tui and, and Chris Atkin linked up really well Tui's shot kicking game has been really good recently and you know putting teams on the back foot you know, getting repeat sets and dropouts, it's all adding to the pressure that we're building on teams and we're doing things the right way. Forwards are working really hard. I thought one guy who doesn't always get a mention 
and does an awful lot of work and a lot of the hard work was Greg Burke. I, th- I thought he came on off the bench on, on Thursday and was tremendous, worked tremendously hard. So everyone seems to be doing the job. If you go down the whole team list, everyone's position, the wingers are doing their job, centres are doing their job, the halfbacks are playing well. Everybody knows what they've got to do. And that was the same last season. They all went on there and they all worked for each other and did the job. And if you do that, you know, you're going to be dangerous and you're going to be up there challenging and we are. Yeah, Greg Burke, um, Luke Yates, Tyrone McCarthy, unsung heroes. Every team, good teams need players like that who will do the dirty work, will make the tackles, will make the yards going forward. Paul Lighton, back in the glory day, was a master at that. And if... and these players are the modern day Paul and they, they get the, the meters made, they make the tackles and put us in position to, to, to make a difference. And, you know, you look, you look through the, the team, the stars who score tries, but there's also a lot of grafters in this team and it's, it's taken us in the right direction. Certainly as well, those, those stars can only do their work on the back of the pack, can't they? If your pack's not working, um, and your pack gets beaten by the other side, you can have all the stars under the sun. You probably won't win the game. You need to, the modern day now, you need to get your pack to win the, the arm wrestle and then your backs can do the business and play on the back of that, can't they? So I've been particularly impressed with Gil Dudson the last couple of weeks as well. I know his form seemed to dip at the start of the season, you know, when he was linked with going to, to Catalan and his transfer was announced and things like that. And I think he'd be the first to admit that. But I've noticed particularly last month or so, he's really upped his game. Lee Mossop's looked tremendous as well. You know, he's, you know, Lee struggles with injuries sometimes, doesn't he? But last couple of weeks, the, the amount of metres he's been making and the, not so much his metres as well, it's, it's his collision. You know, the amount of players he attracts, the amount of defenders he attracts, and then it gives us the, the space to get the ball out there. And like I said, Joey Lussick and Andy Ackers again, I thought he was great against against Huddersfield. He looks a real gem, a real fine for what so much pace around the rook and he was lucky not to score against Huddersfield on Thursday night, got held up over the line. So he's he's added a different dimension to our attack. Yeah, that partnership they got with Lussick and and him, it's it's important what Ian Watson has options in his squad selection. Keeps everyone guessing, keeps everyone on the toes, and we have sort of depth, we have quality. The squad is a massive squad, but we have players who can come in and do a job. We saw that against the Warrington under-fives, whatever the Sky would like to say they were. But this team, from one to whatever it is in the squad, 26, whatever it would be, they're all, they're all good, good players. And that's why we are where we are, Paul, because everyone's going in the right direction. They all believe the process. They all believe that the team uh, sort of talk that Ian, gives, uh, Ian Watson gives them. And that is why we are where we are. That's why we're on, on the way to Wembley and we're on this five-game unbeaten run. The Warrington under-fives. Who did we beat last Saturday? Was that the Warrington <laughs> under-21s? That we <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. You can only beat who, who gets put in front of you. And we've not got to worry about that. You know, We're just going to keep going and, and winning matches. Like you said, we haven't got the biggest squad in the world. I've just been thinking about that. Today we're doing a bit of writing and we was thinking about our squad and Ulkar squad and stuff like that. But I think one thing we have got, not having the biggest squad, we, we've got players who are very versatile, who we can move about and play in different positions. And I think we've got competition for places in every position, despite only having a small squad. You've got players there who can fill in and and play for each other. So you do get a few injuries. I mean, look at the moment. We've got two guys on the sideline who'd probably get into any other team in the league. Nia Levels and Ken Seal, both out injured. You forget about them. I mean, if those two guys are fully fit, would they be in the first team lineup starting at Wembley? Yeah, they probably would. But then who would you drop? Who would you leave out? So you've got a quality that you're going to be leaving out. So it's um, 
you know, it's, it's credit to Wattle, really, the, the squad that is built on the budget that we've got. I think it's a really strong squad for the amount of money that we spend, because if you look at what we're spending compared to other sides in the league, probably spending nowhere near what they've got, but yet we've still got on paper probably a better squad than what they've got. So credit to the coaching staff that and the people who put the team together. Yeah, it's about building a culture, and that's what Ian Watson is all about and his backroom staff delivering these players feel like they're involved in it and, and want to create something special and, and they have done and that's why we are where we are and on our way to Wembley and it's a great time to be a Salford fan but anyway back to the uh, the Uddersfield game uh, Inu completed his hat-trick after good hands sending him over in the corner to make it 24-16 uh, Paul Uddersfield had a bit of a late rally there was a weird kick-off where it didn't go 10 yards but the referee didn't decided not to give the penalty and Uddersfield came close but Apart from that, Salford were in control. They were. Um, I don't think the, the Sky commentators read the script because Barry McDermott and a few of the others were sort of sat about, I don't know, about 50 yards away from where I was. And they were getting excited at the end when Huddersfield were attacking. I thought, we're eight points in front. There's 10 <laughs> seconds to go. They're going to struggle here to score twice. So I don't think they'd done the maths. But no, it was credit to us, I think, in that last, those later stages of the game. I thought we uh, I thought we dug in. As I said before, our defence was really good against a, a decent Huddersfield side who were in really good form under a new coach. And they're always a dangerous side to play against. They're a very physical team. And they've got some big players, haven't they? Like so Leroy Kudjo and Jermaine McGoover. These guys have played international rugby league. They're no mugs. And, and Caesar, as I said, played a grand final last season for Canberra. So we weren't playing against the Mickey Mouse Huddersfield team. It was a, a, you know their first choice side, really. And... Uh, I thought we was head and shoulders above them in the second half. I think the eight-point scoreline flattered them, really. I thought we uh, we had a few more tries in us and you know, we got over the line a couple of times and was held up. So I think we were good value for uh, the 24-16. Yeah, Ian Watson had a press conference after the game. What he's seen uh, and obviously moving forward, we've got games to come. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've been speaking to him over the last few months, but I have enjoyed his, his press conferences on uh, on Zoom. And think, I don't know how that Zoom works. That's why I never go in the press conference. I need to download the app, I think. But but no, he's very pleased, and you know he always talks talks well in these conferences, and he always seems in a really good mood. What he always seems to be bouncing, and particularly at the moment, it's uh, it's great seeing the smile on his face. And I think the I think the players feed off that. I think there's a real good good spirit at Salford at the moment and everybody's absolutely excitement through the roof, isn't it? You know, coaching staff, the players, and everyone's absolutely buzzing. And just thinking about the fixture list, um, I know it's, it's really congested at the moment. You're playing two games a week, which is unknown really in rugby league, but I think the players are loving it. I think they can't wait to get back out there again because when you're doing well and winning games, you can play three or four games a week. You, you just can't wait to get back out there. And I think that's the mentality we've got at the moment. Yeah, I think when they play two, three games a week, it's like play with one recovery day, one day to sort of organise the plan for the next game, then you play. And I suppose players want to play, don't they? That's why they, they choose to be rugby league players because they love to play the game. So the training bit probably will be a bit of annoyance for him having to train for four days to do something you love at the end of the end of the week. So in this situation where you're playing every couple of days, it's probably good for him. They probably enjoy it more than they would if they were doing it normally. Yeah, certainly it's like when you was a kid at school doing PE. I mean, you'd spend yeah. half the lesson messing about, jogging about, wouldn't you, and doing your press-ups and that. But what what did everybody want to do? They wanted to line up, pick teams and play, didn't they? That's all you wanted to do. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think the players are like that. They, they love to play, don't they? They love to be out there and, uh, and play in the game. So, yeah, I don't think I'd be a good trainer. I think I just want to play. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm we on that, Paul, but I couldn't really play very well. I've probably could have done with a bit more training, really. 
<laughs> super glue on your hands. Yeah, yeah, one of them. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, you're looking at the victory. You're looking at the good form that they're, that they're in. Personally, is this is this kind of a distraction going into the cup, the cup final? We don't really want to talk about the cup final because it's it's still you know we got a podcast before then and a game before then. Is it not? Is it important the players don't have an eye on that cup final moving into these into this game against Hull uh, Kingston Rovers on, on Tuesday? They didn't seem to be sort of overwhelmed against Huddersfield. I was wondering whether we'd get a hangover, uh, and we didn't. You know, the players played fantastically well, and, it, and it's a good sign for, for me because obviously you, you're wondering w- will the cup final affect them, but it doesn't seem to be doing. No, no. Um... I think at the moment, the way things are with social media and that, and everyone has an opinion. And I think I've seen a lot of negativity towards both Leeds and Salford saying, oh, they shouldn't have played in the week before the cup final. And, but if I was Wattle, I'd try and keep a positive spin on things. I don't think it's good to be negative. If I was him, I'd just be saying, no, these are the, these, this is the card we've been dealt. Let's be positive about it. Let's beat Ulkingston Rovers. Let's go to Wembley six out of six. Let's keep winning matches. You know, we've got the players there, and and the players will be using it as a as a trial, if you like, I suppose, for for Wembley. You know, you have a storming game, you score an attrick against OKR, and, and and have the game of your life. You then give Watto a massive headache, thinking, well, I've got to pick him now for Wembley. So if you get picked on Tuesday and you play really well, you've got a chance of being on that on that seventeen that the, the player at Wembley Stadium for the first time in fifty one years. So that's that's the excitement now. I think it's a perfect sort of trial game, if you like, without being disrespectful to OKR, to, to, to for trial for Wembley. So that's how I that's how I'd be using it, and that's what I'd be saying if I was what when they were in training today and, and tomorrow. You know, you impress me, and uh, you've got every chance of making that final team. Let's use it as, as as that, and let's go and lamp all Kingston Rovers and keep climbing that ladder as well. Because I know we don't want to be greedy and we don't want to win both trophies, do we? Or, or do we? <laughs> I'm not too sure. But if you look at the league table at the moment. Solve and want to finish as high as they can. We're currently eighth in the table. We've got two games in hand on the next four teams above us in the league. That's up to fourth place. So if we can win those two games in hand, which is going to be difficult, you're then knocking on the door of the top four. So say we don't make the top four, I think it'd still be a really good achievement to make to finish in, in the top six. You know, that'd be a good season for me and, and go and win the Challenge Cup. I think it's all about pride now. We want to finish as high as we can in the table and, uh, and lift that Challenge Cup. If we make the playoffs, Paul, the biggest comeback is Lazarus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking this. We it'd be absolutely crazy, wouldn't it, if we went and won the Challenge Cup and then went on a mad run at the end of the season and finished in the top four and got to the grand final. You know, you'd have two finals in a season where, you know, none of your supporters would be able to go. It'd be absolutely heartbreaking for them. You could wind up winning the double and nobody better go and see it. It'd be, it'd be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? So so, yeah, it's one of those. We've just got to keep winning matches, haven't we, and see where it takes us. You can't look beyond it. I mean, we're not doing it on this podcast. We don't really want to look to the Leeds game. Let's talk about UKR first and show them respect and, and win that game first, and then we can look at the bigger things ahead after that. Let's finish talking about Huddersfield. Uh, we'll talk stats now, Paul. Uh, top tacklers, Gil Dudson with 40, Greenwood uh, with 40, Joey Lussick with 37, Luke Yates with 43, Um yeah, you know, they're working hard, these forwards, and it's important they continue to do so because, like you said, top teams are built on, on players who will graft for you. Yeah, certainly. And um, Chris Atkin mentioned that in his interview about the amount of tackles he did in, in that game. He was saying that's the most he'd tackle for a while. And as I said before, Huddersfield, a physical side, he's got some big forwards in there. And 
they take some stopping when they get a roll, and they've they've give team they've had some good wins this season. They beat St. Helens, didn't they? And run them close in another game. So they're no mugs. They're a good side. They can beat anybody on the day. And you know, I'll be honest. I went to that that match on on Thursday, and I didn't fancy us. I thought we'd we'd, we'd have a bit of a hangover from the cup, like you said, and and uh, we'd be beaten. We get turned over. When we went 12 0 down, I feared the worst, but we had that resilience. We stayed in there, and the work rate of the forwards was was absolutely tremendous. Luke Yates is really, really good player. I think he's a, a real bargain signing for us. I mean, I'm surprised nobody else went in for him. Um, they didn't seem to do. He seemed to be linked with us straight away, and, and we'd signed him. But what an absolute um, gem he is! He's a fantastic forward, all action, runs a ball in hard from one minute one to eight, to, and tackles his heart out. He's an absolute machine. Yeah, looking at the uh, the meter makers, uh, Watkins 126, uh, 126, Williams 142, Sargson 149, Luke Yates 130, Ryan Lannan 106. Talking about Ryan Lannan, 106 meter make, meters made, 32 tackles made as well. Uh, for me, he's got the bit between his teeth and he, he could be a, a really dark horse for that Wembley spot. Well, yeah, we've got a big competition in the forwards, haven't we? And, and probably Ryan's not been the first name on the team sheet all season, but he's thrown his hat in the ring there. I know there's, there's there's other players who are coming back into the squad this week. You've got the likes of Oliver Roberts in there, Jack Armourod as well, who are looking for a spot in the team. Sebastian Ifeko has been absolutely brilliant this season. McCarthy, Flanagan, who didn't play against uh, Huddersfield. You've got plenty of uh, grunt in the, in the front of the pack as well. But Ryan Lennon, I thought he worked really hard in that game and... Uh, you know, he's, he's done himself the world of good there. Yeah, big thanks for your three-word match reports. Harvey Reid, what a team. Phil Jones, impressive fitness levels. Inu, I think it's important we, we talk about fitness levels coming into these games. Then Them last sort of 20 minutes, that's when it tells. You know, is it Greg Brown, fantastic trainer, is going to be he's going to be purring because these boys have great engines. They certainly do. We say that every season, don't we, about the fitness of the, of the team. And I think Greg Brown does a lot of hard work. And, you know, everyone talks about Watto and Paul Rowley and the work that they're doing quite rightly as well. They're a really good coaching duo and, you know, working really well together. But you need that staff there as well. And I think the, the medical staff that we've got and the, the physiotherapists at Salford, we see them all, the doctor and all the guys there, they all work really, really well together. And, and Greg Brown's one of those as well. I think, you know, the condition he gets the players in and, you can see him on the sideline there with what I'm talking and he'll, he'll know exactly what the players are going through and how they're feeling on the pitch and how, how their fitness levels are. And I think he's a real, really important guy to have at the club. And, you know, since his, his time at Salford, you can never question our fitness. We've looked one of the fittest teams in the league. Yeah, Ricky P from Sale when his dog's winning becomes habit. Inu, Chris and Janet Shen are absolutely loving it. Inu, Colin Williams, second half turnaround. Inu, we talked about turnarounds, Paul. We've done it last couple of weeks, but we can't keep doing it. I know we've mentioned it before. I think that's probably the one thing Ian Watson will be trying to drill into the players that you can't do it every week. Yeah, you're on a run, but don't rely on it. That's it. No, you, you, the way the game is structured at the moment this season without the scrums and that, it, it seems difficult once a team gets a bit of a roll in against you. It's, it's difficult to stem that tide and... Uh, you know, get a foothold in the game. And I mean, I know we've, we've managed to do it the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Come back and win games. But you, like you said, you can't keep relying on that. You've got to you've got to come out firing from, from minute one, haven't you? And, uh, you know, fire, fire with fire. You can't afford to be letting teams get on top of you and get in front of you because it will. It'll come, and bite, it'll come back to bite you. And what, what you don't want is that to come back and bite you at, at Wembley. We don't want... 
we don't want to end up like Hulk I did five years ago against Leeds and get beat 50-0, do we? I think that happened that day. They come out, got a bit of a roll on, and, and a team like Leeds can steamroll you, can't and They've got those sort of players. They've got quick backs. And I watched their game against Hull the other night, and they, they finished them off in the second half there, really. And Hull are a decent team. So let's uh, let's hope we can start start that this Tuesday against Hulk we, we can start fast and uh, you know really put our best foot forward, as, as Wattle says. Connor Robinson, better second half. Inu or Yates? Colin Reynolds, cool dude. Inu. Inu was his man of the match. Mark, never say die. Inu. Richard Mawson, well-drilled squad. Inu. OSF, calm, collective, decisive. That is that is the important thing. Like I've said, this team, don't panic. And that is an imp- that is the key, really, to successful sides. They know when to push. And they don't 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 push when it when it doesn't meet, need to be pushed. They play the sets out and end up winning the game, and that's and that's the the thing this team's got. I feel. Well, yeah. If you, if you panic in rugby league nine times out of ten, you you make a mistake, don't you? And you snatch at a chance, and you and you don't take it. We said that about Callum Watkins, didn't we, last week in the the uh, the semi final against Warrington, just waiting for that ball to sort of land right so he could put his hand on it and that's what quality players do so yeah you've got you've got to be calm in these games and you've got to wait for that chance to come because your chances will come and it's when those chances come you've got to take them so so yeah I think um, that, that's that's a trait we can we can see in the Salford side at the moment it's a trait that's been coached into them I think Roy Ellaby ground it out Gil Dudson Ryan Archer marry me Inu Inu is his man of the match we don't want Inu getting distracted uh, Nathan, so we we'll, won't bother with any of that. Uh, Pete Grimshaw, uh, comeback Kings, Inu, John Waite, Pack won that, Inu again, Chris Seedhouse, good team performance, Inu, Neil Howe, Inu is his man of the match, Sam Richardson, Inu the Salmon, which is a, a cheeky sort of uh, Mickey take from me with my uh, Twitter match report. You got We got a lot of views, didn't we, Paul, uh, for, the, for this game? Yeah, we did. We certainly did, and we had a lot of man of the match awards as well there, so... Uh... So yeah, I think uh, judging by what he said there, he has been the uh, been the man of the moment for me. Yeah, um, Sam's man of the match was Greenwood. Neil Howe, tough, gritty, awesome, and Adam Arbery, the resilient team Inu. So yeah, fantastic performance. It's it's great that we've got this momentum going forward into these next couple of games. Yeah, it certainly is. Like we said, there's nothing like confidence and. Uh, We've got to keep that rolling now, and you know a big win. And I think everybody's been lifted at the moment by our, our run of form. And no, it's been good to see. It's been good to see. It was a good win, a good solid win against Huddersfield. And uh, I think that's what most people have said. They're won by the pack. I think a few people mentioned. So people are noticing the, the work that the forwards are doing, and uh, I certainly am. Yeah, talking about yourself, Paul. You spoke to Chris Atkin after the game, uh, and this is what I had to say. <laughs> I'd like to say for our Salford City Radio and Sports Zone show, I've been joined by Salford halfback Chris Atkin. Good evening, Chris. Hi, mate. You all right? Yeah, I'm not too bad. You've just come off the back of uh, five wins on the spin. Huddersfield Giants, uh, an excellent victory on, on, on Thursday. Can you tell us how that how that game went and how you, you, you guys felt coming off the pitch at the end? Another another tough game, but another good win. Yeah, obviously we um, you know we come off the off the pitch really really made up with the with the win. You know to come through a a game like that, which was tough, you know, from the start all the way to the end um, against a quality side like Huddersfield, that you know we really put in a good performance and 
no, I think we des- fully deserved the result at the end. I noticed in the game you were, you worked hard in that match. You, you took a bit of a clattering. I think it was it was it Wardle, Jake Wardle or Joe Wardle that, that uh, took you. I, th- I thought he took you off the ball to be honest. But very physical game, very physical side Huddersfield Giants. Yeah, definitely, and you know that's why they're you know up the table and and pushing for those those playoff spots. You know, like we want to be, um, and you know with the way the season. Now it, you know, you never know. You could make it with with a win here or there, but um, yeah, really physical, physical game. Like I said from the first minute, and um, probably one of the highest tackle games for myself. Um, you know, being involved in that side of things, but you know that was expected um, going into the game with Huddersfield. There, you know, they try and be a very physical side, and you know, try and dominate you that way. So you have to match them up front and physically, and and we did that. Just before we touch on like the the big week and the Challenge Cup. I suppose a lot of Salvatores haven't really looked at the Super League table recently with this percentage thing and that. But now we've won, you know, the last few games. I, I, I for one, have started looking at it, and you've got a couple of games on in hand on the teams above you. Are, are you guys thinking about the Super League now and how high you can finish in it? Because it's not impossible about you getting to that top, but it's going to be tough. But you must, you must be setting targets now. You know, winning's a habit. Yeah, that's you know, we've not spoke about too much where we want to finish. We want to, you know, build up those wins and. You know, once we started the cup with that quarter-final, that become a, a massive focus. Um, but off the back of that, we wanted to set a standard that you know, we can't just turn up in a quarter-final or in a semi-final and expect to win you know, and turn it on on the day. We spoke about you know, doing actions and, and putting the effort in week in, week out and, and at every opportunity. And you know, We started to do that. Like you said, we're, we're five from five now and that's not you know, just looked at from... You know the hard hard work that you know a lot of the forwards and a lot of the backfield they're doing, and you know that's setting standards you know across the board and you know holding everyone accountable to those. Has Ian Watson like spoke to you about going behind in matches? That come been come a concern for you because quite a few of the games recently you seem to come back in them and, and, and pinched it late. And I mean, I know that that's great to do that, but do you sense you need to start a bit quicker in games now, starting this Tuesday against OKR? Yeah, potentially. I think. You know, we spoke about that Catalan game in the quarterfinal where we went ten or twelve points down um, early on, and we don't want to give teams that and, and make it hard for ourselves because these games, you know, like the semi-final, like against other sort of the, the good quality teams, you can't always afford to give teams those starts. But you know, for the full eighty minutes, we we just speak about our process and, and what we can do, and you know, if we turn the ball over in the right area. Um, and back our defence that we'll get opportunities in attack and you know we don't worry too much but the more we can restrict side scoring then you know, the better chance we have of starting those games better and you know going on to win them and probably winning them a little bit more comfortably How tough is it on the body you know playing so many matches in a short space of time because you seem to be playing two games a week now you've got a midweek game sort of Tuesday afternoon a strange strange kickoff time is it is it all about recovering after the matches are you not doing as much training is there more sort of recovery time in there now um, yeah I think a lot of the, the you know a lot of the teams they're putting the main focus on recovery at the minute because as you said the games are coming thick and fast every three or four days and I think they're only going to get you know closer together you know after this Challenge Cup final weekend that there's games Friday, Monday and then Thursdays I think so you know that's coming more and more important as we get towards the end of the season but you know we've been lucky as a club that we've got a large squad in, in certain positions that lads have been able to, to sort of have a rest or you know have a game off and then come back in and um, but the training from you know our point of view doesn't seem to drop off that 
if you're fit and ready to go, you'll get pushed and they'll look after you when you need looking after. How do you find it playing in front of empty stadiums behind closed doors? I mean, some players have seemed to have thrived on it. Are you one of those players or, or do you not mind or would you prefer a crowd to be there or is it just, just one of them things you've got to put up with? Um, I think it's a difficult one really because, you know, at the start it was, you know, quite a, a novelty that it was it was new to the players and we just wanted to get back playing and the focus was on, you know, getting back playing and seeing where we could get the season, trying to get the season finished. But as we've played more and more games now, I think you you start to realise how important the fans truly are. You know, we talked about it at the start that we want the fans to be there and that's, you know, a big part of why we'll be league successful and the atmosphere that's created in the stadiums. But, you know, the more and more games you play now without the fans, you do start to lose you know, what is special about rugby league and, you know, the fans do bring a lot to the sport. I think one thing's for sure, once you get back to the AJ Bell Stadium, maybe next season though, and you do get supporters in there, I think it's going to be a, be a special and, and an emotional day for, for the supporters and the players, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the fans, you know, they're, you know, obviously asking questions about, you know, opportunities to come to games as soon as, as, soon as possible, but unfortunately things haven't worked out the way they hoped and you know fans will hopefully back in you know next season that I, I pretty much hopefully they will but you know hopefully sooner rather than later how excited are you for next you know this time next week you could be a challenge cup winner we won't we won't mention that we don't want to jinx it but how excited are you for this week now the big week you know building up obviously going to be no fans there but you must be excited when do you travel down to Wembley you know when do you, when do you go down as a team uh, so I think the, there was a couple of questions asked from the players about what we wanted to do as a group and, you know, give them sort of options and it was a discussion. It wasn't, you know, just we were told what was going to happen and I think we'll be travelling down on the Thursday and, and we're going to train down in London on the Friday before obviously the final on Saturday. And, you know, which a lot of the players think that's the, the best way to go about it and, you know, I definitely think so too that you, know, you travel down you get that opportunity probably to settle in, have a little walk around Wembley, hopefully on Friday, and and you, you know you take in the stadium, and then you can just focus on preparing for the game. But um, yeah, obviously this week we know we've got the game on Tuesday, which is a little bit different to to the normal sort of process and the build up to the game. But you know we're we're starting to slowly focus on Leeds, and obviously with one eye on Hokkaido, which we've got a, a, a big game on Tuesday first, but. And yeah, I think the lads, you know, really looking forward to it now. It, you know, it's come quite quick after the semi-final only last week. So, and yeah, there's there's been this bit of a buzz around around the team and around training uh, the last couple of days. I know some people might say it's a bit of a, a bit negative that playing OKR in, in the Wembley week, and but do you guys use that as a positive? Because if you can knock OKR off, you're going into Wembley then full of confidence. You'll have won six games on the spin. That must be a massive help. As, as we mentioned before, winning's a habit. So you know if you can walk out Wembley after six wins, you, you've got every chance of beating Leeds as well. Yeah, hundred percent. You know that's like as I mentioned, that's one of the things we spoke about before the, the quarter-final that we don't just want to turn up and try and win one game and not win the next. So, you know, that's been a big part of the last, you know, few weeks to, to go five from five and, you know, credit to Warrant and the team that they put out on the Tuesday with a lot of young talent and, you know, that really brought it to us. But I think the reason why we did get that win on the Tuesday was we've, we've got a mindset now of we need to be winning these games and we need to put put it in no matter who's playing and who, what team's in front of us that you know whatever the occasion we need to go out and win and keep that momentum going for, for the squad 
even though there's going to be no crowd at Wembley Stadium on Saturday, it's a massive opportunity for, for you and, and the rest of the Salford players. I mean, Salford have only won this trophy once in the, in the club's history in 1938, so it's an awful long time ago. You guys, I mean, I don't know if you spoke about this, but you could be, become sort of immortals in, in Salford's history. And, you know, it must be exciting to be part of that, you know, going back to Wembley after all these years. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's something that's you know been mentioned that the club is you know the first time getting to the Challenge Cup final and to Wembley for you know fifty odd years, and you know that is a big part of you know what we've been speaking about. That you know there's an opportunity with that, but it's also you know a special occasion for every single player that you know might have already been there once or twice before, or you know hasn't haven't been there like myself that you know I've only been there on a couple of occasions with schools when I've, I've worked in the school previously and so to be a part of actually a team you know playing um, you know in the Challenge Cup finals a, a massive you know privilege for myself and um, something that I'm really looking forward to and, and as you know we mentioned in the press it's you know could be a couple of players last opportunity to to get to a final and you know we want to do it for you know everyone in the squad that it could be their first or last mm. you know opportunity well best of luck on Tuesday Chris I hope you really enjoy the, the Wembley build-up and uh, and you have the game of your life Tuesday and at Wembley, mate. And uh, thank you very much for speaking to us. No, brilliant. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed for, for Tuesday and Saturday. So that was your interview with uh, Chris Atkin, Paul. And he's, you know, he's, he's buzzing for the next couple of games. Yeah, he certainly is. Yeah, he's a good guy, Chris Atkin. I've uh, not spoken too much this year. I think he interviewed him after one of the games and... Uh, very knowledgeable about the, the sport and I think he's he's very grounded as well. He knows there's a lot of work to be done. Big game against Hawkingston Rovers, but I think he's excited about the about what's gonna happen and uh, you no, know, these are the times that players must absolutely relish, you know, going going down to Wembley there, you know, staying in an hotel and you know, you're all, all with your mates there and the camaraderie and, and sort of the you know, the the real bond that they've got with the players. I think that must be great times and I think that's something that they'll cherish and something that they'll really want to soak up this week and make the most of because Stuff like this doesn't happen very often, I suppose, in certain players' careers. You know, some players might get lucky and go to a club that goes to loads of finals, but a lot of players aren't, and this could be the, the one and only time you get to Wembley. So, you know, especially a guy like Mark Flanagan, who's retired at the end of the year, let's hope he really cherishes it and gets in that squad and has a great game at Wembley. Yeah, he's a player who, who's looking for an opportunity. England international looking to get his way back in there. And, and at Salford, he has a vehicle to, to do that. Kevin Brown, you know, is the is the main man at the moment. But Atkin has youth on his side. If if he learns off Kevin Brown, you know, a couple of things and takes that forward into next year, who knows what might happen? And and you're hoping he, he can continue that development. Two great interception tries in, in the last few weeks since we're coming back from uh, from lockdown shows he has pace to burn because that's I think an important thing in in your halfbacks being able to sniff out chances uh, which he has done. Yeah, he has, and he looks a really good support player, uh, Chris Atkin. And like we said, he's not really had massive opportunities this season. But I think when he has come in, he's done a decent job, and he showed his versatility as well. He he, he doesn't look out of place at hooker, you know, maybe chinking the line at half back. He's he spent a bit of time out on on the flanks as well. So, you know, he's he's a bit of an all rounder, is Atkin, and uh, he's got a good good rugby league brain on him as well. And you know, he, he's he's been through the leagues. He's experienced. He, he spent a lot of time at Swinton Lions. He had a really good spell with them. Had a really good spell with Lookingston Rovers as well. So 
he's he's done his apprenticeship and he's moving up now. What is he? Twenty six years of age now. Should be coming into his prime now. And these next couple of seasons, if he's to stay with us, which I hope he does, he's really going to blossom. And I think yeah, he could be challenging for international honours. He's he's a he's got that sort of rugby league persona about him and, and, and brain where he can make a team tick. So um, good support player as well. So yeah, very pleased with Chris Atkins' uh, development. So very pleased and a great event interview as well. Yeah, good guy. Like I said, good guy to speak to. And, um, you know, all the Solver players are, I, I sometimes chuckle to myself thinking, you know, have they, had, have they had media training? Because you don't get many sort of one-word answers from the players. They, they're really good and, they, and they're really good to us, aren't they, when we speak to them. Very polite and very professional. And, you know, Chris Willem was the same a few weeks ago. And they don't worry about taking time out to speak to us. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're very honoured to, to have them speak to us on, on, on Solver Radio and on the podcast as well. I think the players are great with us. Yeah, I think what it is, when, when obviously they're speaking to us, it, it's good practice, isn't it, really? So when you go and score the winner at Wembley and you've not spoke to anyone for like six months, then it, it might be a difficult thing when someone shoves a microphone in your face and says, how do you feel? So I suppose what's coming along, you know, and we, and we are there to support the boys, aren't we, in the day? We aren't there to trip them up. So, you know, they get used to saying stuff to, down a microphone. So when the time comes and they do become the batch winner and everyone wants to speak to them, then, then, then they're ready. They'll never get any tricky questions off me, Robin. Neither will <laughs> what you know. We support them. At the end of the day, we're supporters, aren't we? Yeah. Is the bottom line, um, and you're there to. I'd defend them. I'd defend them as much as I can. I'd never say a bad word against uh, anything to do with Salford. So yeah, you're there to help them out, aren't you? But well, like you said, they're about someone sticking a microphone in front of their nose at Wembley. They probably won't be able to. You're gonna have to stand about ten meters away aren't you, <laughs> from the microphone at the moment. So uh, let's just hope that. Uh, they are um, in front of the microphones at Wembley. I think it'd be tremendous to... Like I said, I don't, we don't really want to talk about much in this podcast, but how good would it be if a solver player could win the Lanston Trophy? But we'll save that for later in the week. Yeah, we know we're not talking about Leeds on Saturday, but I remember a few years ago when we get battered at Edinley and this, the the vultures were kind of circling, weren't they? What and it was kind of a, a conversation in in the press box how we felt about it, and we were like, no, well, Wattles the man, and we kind of like sort of sort of uh, round sort of stop the stop the stop the um, the avalanche at that point yeah well there's been a few hasn't there? I remember that, that 70 point idea we had there yeah. and yeah you do and I, I was talking about this to my dad the other day I think the lowest point I got to speaking to Wattle was in 2018 just after the the season when we got to the semi-final we got beat by 50 points at OKR and he came to the corner was interviewing him under the stand there and he's really upset and I remember thinking, so I can't remember if I mentioned it to him, but I had a feeling that that might be his last game at Salford because he just seemed so fed up with it and so fed up with what was going on. And I, I knew he was the right man for the job. And a few people had said to me, oh, has he took as far as he could go? And I defended him like mad, saying, no, he's, he's a good coach. He knows his stuff. I speak to him every week and he, he knows what's happening. It's just the players aren't doing it for him. And I'm so glad that you know, he carried on because after that, last season, took us to a grand final and this season to a cup final. So that's the... That, I was really fearing for him at that time because we, we were really struggling when we, you know, after that that semi-final season, we had a bit of a poor year that year, whether it was down to recruitment or, or whatever, and you know we had a few people we needed to shift on, but no, after that he's gone from strength to strength. So, uh, so yeah, I hope that's continued. Yeah, talking about Ian Watson last week, you talked about compared him to Brian Clough, and we had a we had a WhatsApp this week from one of our listeners, our listeners, Banners Mike in London says. Dear boys, great podcast. Listening to your show, listening to Paul talking about Brian Clough, quite doesn't don't quite agree with with what he's saying. 
how about Martin O'Neill from, from Leicester City? Got a, a team there and lifted him to the next level. He, in his opinion, he thinks he's more Martin O'Neill uh, than Brian Clough. Well, Martin O'Neill was one of Brian Clough's uh, disciples, yeah, really, wasn't true. he? He brought him through, didn't he, in that night for his team. So I think if you ask Martin O'Neill, he learned an awful lot of Cluffy, didn't he, and become one of his sort of protégés. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mean it as in his, his sort of personality. I meant in the way he builds teams and and the way he, he, he sort of you know does things against the odds, really, you know, with, with unfancied teams. Mm. I mean, who would have thought we could have got to a grand final and a Challenge Cup final? Most of the rugby league would have scoffed at that. And he just keeps proving people wrong. And, you know, we don't do things a fancy way, really, do we? We sign players that nobody else wants and... You know, I think Phil Clark, who said last season we were a team full of championship players and, and what have you, so and no one wants them, but they, they seem to be doing a decent job. Yeah, I think with, with Cluffy, he ruled with an iron, we ruled with fear, didn't he? And he ruled with kind of like sort of saying to players that you're not good enough. I remember, I think there's a story where Stuart Pearce got his got his first England cap and he was, he was kind of really bad and said like well you're not good enough to play for England I can't understand why you're playing for England and that kind of inspires Stuart Pearce to to play even better and I don't I don't see Ian Watson being that for me Ian Watson's kind of everybody's best mate everyone he wants everyone to to reach their maximum potential uh, and which has got him to where where we are now and where he is now Uh, but yeah I do take your 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 point about him taking average players and, and taking them to that next level, uh, Cluffy. Um, but he is a fantastic coach. And, and, you, and you suppose you, you're looking at the world of rugby league and you're looking at all the top coaches that have, have been and gone through the through the generations. You know, you look, you've got to look and think, well, Ian Watson, with what he's done with this team, he's got to be up there, surely. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I, I slightly disagree about the the one way you said about what all being everybody's friend. Well, uh, I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of him, Rob. I, I think if you don't pull your weight at Salford or you have a bad game, I don't think he'll be giving you jelly babies after the match. I no. think he'll be absolutely rollicking you because he has that sort of side to him. I think, and you ask the player that I, I think I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the dressing room after a defeat or when you've not put hundred percent in because I think he. I mean, I don't want to swear, but I think he'd he'd shout at you for, for want of a better word. But but yeah, he, he's done a terrific job at solving. I think the whole of the rugby league are noticing that now. And I think you know, other you know people in Australia are looking at what I'm thinking. You know what what he's done there. He's worked with Tim Sheens before, hasn't he? And he's worked with Wayne Bennett now in the uh, in the international setup. So his stock's rising all the time. And you know he's going to get linked with the jobs and things like that. He's got a new contracts at Salford. So I think we've got. We've got the the platform there, haven't we? We've said it the last few weeks. You know the the, the trio of, of Blees, King, and and and, and Watto, and the, the other staff as well. We've got a really good model there for success at Salford, and we just need to keep building on that now. Yeah, everyone's friend might be a step too far, Paul. But he's never. I for me, he's never going to say you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Prove me wrong. He's not. He, for me, he's not got that in him. No, I think I was just someone just coming to my head as well. Do you know when you were talking about Stuart Pierce there? Yeah. Is it is it true? Have you ever heard the story about when Brian Clough I think no, we shouldn't be talking about him, but when he got his England cap, I think Cluffy said to him, Yo, don't want to get too big for your boots and give him a carrier bag. That's what I said. Iron in, with an iron in, yeah, and it was his wife's iron and he said, Set that home and, and mend it for me, missus, because I think Stuart yeah. Pierce was a electrician wanting or something. So yeah. you know, keep yourself grounded. I think that's the moral to that story. Yeah, that's the way he managed his players by 
prompting them to play better. Say, you know, you're you're only just an average average fullback. Show me your show me your you know in, in England class, and it it kind of works if you have a squad of strong personalities who want to prove you wrong. But in the modern sport in game, is is there enough characters to 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 carry that? you know, forward, or will he just sort of shrink and go, oh, he's, he's annoying me now, he's upsetting me, I'm not going to play for him anymore. And then you're on that die- downward spiral, aren't you? Yeah, I think with Wattle, I think what he's got with Wattle, I think he's, um, his character and his, his persona, I think you ask any of the players, I think they look up to him mm. um, and I think they love playing for him and I think you ask a player and he'd run through a wall for Ian Watson and I think you could ask quite a lot of big names who perhaps perhaps you could go through the England team or the Great Britain side, the internationals that play at quite a lot of the other clubs in Super League and said to them, would you go and play for Ian Watson at Salford? And they probably, nine times out of ten, they'd probably say, yeah, I would do because I've got a chance playing for him to to win things and, you know, the way he coaches, the things I can learn off him. So, so yeah, I think we've, we've got a special, we've got a diamond there in Wattle and I'm just so glad he's, he's with us and I'm, I'm so glad he's signed a new contract and he, he seems to be staying, he seems to be happy there. And Having somebody like that running your club, you're in top coaches that are hard to find. You know, you go through Super League and you look at some of the coaches, yeah, yeah, they might be on big money, but I don't really want to name anybody or disrespect anybody, but there's players, there's coaches in there who I don't think are that good and yet they, they seem to be at the, the big sides, don't they, and splashing the cash and that and... No, I don't think they're as good as well. I think we've got the best coach in the league there. And I said a few weeks ago, if he doesn't win coach of the year this season, then I don't I don't know what he has to do because the last two years, what he's done with, with us is absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It is. It is. And also fans can't thank him enough uh, for what he's what he's done. So um that's all the uh, the chat about the Huddersfield game. Look at all the big news uh, coming out of the, the club this week. So, this week, Paul, pop-up shop at the stadium on Thursday, uh, 10 till 2pm. Wild Thing have produced loads of, of um, grand, well, Challenge Cup final mem- uh, memorabilia. Fantastic stuff. I'm sure a lot of fans will be down there getting it all together ready for Saturday. Yeah, some of the, the T-shirts and the polo shirts I've seen look brilliant, don't they? And that, that retro shirt with the excuse me, the 1969 badge on looks really, really smart, doesn't it? And uh, I was talking to my friend Roy Ellaby yesterday and he's purchased quite a lot of stuff. His, his wife's having kittens. I think they'll be have to remortgage the house. He's bought that much stuff from memorabilia. But, but why not? You know, it's been 51 years since we got to Wembley. It's a massive, massive thing. And, you know, supporters want their, their little bit of history and their little bit of uh, memorabilia to, to remember the occasion so uh, I think it's great and it's been tough I know, I've seen a few people complaining on, on social media and that about it but it's been really hard for the club because you know we beat Warrington well, it's only been two weeks since the, you know on Saturday since we beat Warrington in the semi-final so they've only had like a week or so to you know to produce things so it's been tough the way the pictures have fallen this season I mean in normal circumstances, you'd win the semi-final. It'd be like six weeks before you go and play in the final. You could build it up and sell shirts and have a massive campaign, sell loads of tickets for the final. We've got unprecedented circumstances this season where you've had sort of a week or so 
you know, two weeks to the to the final, and and no supporters can go either. So it's difficult, and you've got to make the best of the situation. And I think the club deserve a lot of credit for what they've done. Yeah, I'm expecting big crowds. Well, a lot of people da- down there. Please remember to keep your social distance. Um, I'd probably try and get down there for dinner time because you don't want to get there too rushed at ten o'clock, but you don't want to be scratching around at two. So twelve o'clock might be might be a good time. Yeah, social distancing. Yeah, basically, when you're in the queue, don't be standing in someone else's pocket. Give them a bit of room. <laughs> <laughs> That's what social distancing, I suppose, isn't it? But yeah, if you get down there on Thursday, and I'm sure it'll be um, a real sort of uh, carnival atmosphere, won't it? Everybody seeing each other, and you know, obviously from a distance, like. But people have not seen each other ages, have they? So, uh, so be good. I'm sure um, they'll have to get plenty of stock in there, won't they? On uh, Wednesday night, to be flying out the window that on Thursday. Yeah, the Challenge Cup final programmes are available as well online. I think it's £10. You can get your, your name in the back of it. I think it's important, obviously, us fans get our momento for this uh, big occasion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never know we're going to be back there, do you? So hopefully it'll be next season, but we, we don't know. So, yeah, get your mementos. I believe you can have your names in the programmes as well. And it's all great stuff, isn't it? It's a, it's a fantastic story, this, you know, us getting to, to Wembley and... You know, the more, like I said, the more momentum you can get of the mental, sorry, you can get of the of the game and the day and the occasion is um, is the better. Yeah, wild thing. I've also brought out a retro shirt as well. I think it's twenty seven fifty. Check the website, make sure that's right. Um, that's very nice. I think it's a kind of a flow back to our previous Challenge Cup win. Um, I know you like your retro. I know you like your history, Paul. So, is it going to be on your shopping list? Yeah, it's a nice shirt. It's, it's, it's like the 1969 one, isn't it? But it says Salford 2020 on the badge, so it's the 69 final badge, I think, if that's the one I'm thinking of. It's uh, Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I've got a polo shirt coming, I believe, the black one. Have you? Um, uh, my mum's ordered me one of them, yeah. Oh. So uh, so that's very very kind of her. So uh, so that, that looks really nice. But some of the other stuff I've seen looks great. You know, the Wattles Army T-shirts and things like that. I know Roy were telling me he's, he's got about five or so, so of them coming to his house. So, uh, yeah, it looks really good. And as I said, they've not had a lot of time to prepare it. So uh, so I think they've done really well, that wild thing. And, uh, you know, good luck. Let's hope we sell loads of stuff on Thursday. Glad your mum's getting it. I was about to say, where's my free, t- where's my free T-shirt? Oh, it's not free, no, no, my mum's got us one, she said, so she, she's treating me, so uh, I'll have to uh, treat her now and uh, repay her with something. Yeah, I think my dad, I'm hoping, hoping my dad will get me a, a Challenge Cup final programme, that'd be nice. Yeah, because you get your name in it, don't you, as well, mm. so that's something to remember it by, yeah. That's it. Other news, uh, Salford and Wales uh, Rugby League have agreed a partnership, Paul, to develop players in, in the area. I think it's fantastic that we've managed to, to do this deal because Wales is rich in, in rugby. It is rugby union, but these players are built to play rugby. And if we can get a foothold in, in the country and develop the young kids coming through and maybe siphon a few of these talented rugby union players and convert them to play for, for, for Salford and Rugby League. It's only going to benefit Welsh Rugby League and Salford moving forward. Well, yeah, there's an awful lot of talent going from Rugby Union in Wales in particular. You've only got a look back to <coughs> so, so, Salford sides of, of yesteryear. You know, that side in the 70s was built on some um, some fantastic Welsh Rugby Union talent in, in Dixon and Richards and, and Watkins and you know, there's other players as well that have come from rugby union, like Steve Rule. I think he was a rugby union lad, and there's there's, there's kind of like you know, keep 
Keith Fielding was was at Rugby Union, wasn't it, before he came to Salford? So it, it's been, um, you know, Wales is a hotbed, you know, of, of, of players, isn't it? And that's a Billy Boston and people like that who've come to other clubs. I mean, you go through the 70s, 60s, 70s and 80s, every side had, had like Welsh players in it, didn't it? You know, well, you know, Clive Sullivan, another one there, captain of Great Britain. So it's it's a hotbed of the sport. So if you can link up down there, I know Elliot Keir's dad, Gareth Keir, does an awful lot with the Welsh Rugby League, real good ambassador there and a really nice fella as well. So um, I think it's a great partnership to have that. We've got two smashing Welsh players at Salford, haven't we? And Reese Williams and, and, and Elliot Keir, amongst a few others, I think, as well. We've got a Welsh uh, Welshman coach. Well, he's not Welsh, but Welsh international, Watson, wasn't he? So... Uh, it's a big tradition there and, you know, let, let us fly the flag. I think it's good exposure for us as well to tie links. Any links you can get with anything rugby league at youth level and things like that is only going to help your club going forward. And like you said, if we can siphon off just one or two of them and we find a gem there, it'll, it's all well and good for us. Yeah, opportunity to to market us with Ian Watson and Reese Williams and other other Welsh players that, that might be good enough in, in the Super League, you know, five years down the line. It's all about giving them the opportunity. I've said before, this club is an opportunity club and we can go to to the, the Welsh players in the Valleys and say, look, come and play Super League with us. We we, we can give you that opportunity to prove you you are a better player than, than you think you are. Come and play. We've got Ian Watson as, as the coach, you know, a Welsh international. He'll guide you. He'll guide you through. And, and it's, it's it's fantastic that we've managed to get these links. We've got Tyrone McCarthy in with his Irish connections back in Ireland, picking up players there as well. And we managed to, to get our scouting network out. And it's important we continue to do that. Yeah, it certainly is, and I think you've said it before about the um, about the games being on telly recently in the in the lockdown, and I think it's given us an awful lot of exposure because I've had people saying to me, or people who I know, seem to ask about Salford all the time now and say, "Oh, you did really well the other night. You won again on the telly." And people have been watching us who don't always watch rugby league, and I've had people texting me who didn't even know who knew we existed and uh, saying how well we're doing. So I think, yeah. I think the more we can get our name out there and, and link up with people, the better. And we seem to be doing a really good job at that at the moment. And we seem to be, you know, a club on the rise and on the up. And it's going to be interesting to see when crowds can come back. You know, the interest if it's if it's risen in Salford, I think it will do. I think people will, will come and I think we'll start getting bigger crowds because I think the, our stock is rising all the time at Salford. And you know, it, it's exciting. It, it's really exciting times at the moment. It's just such a shame with this, I mean, COVID and, and whatever that nobody can go. To the, to the games at the moment you think about that semi-final at, at St Helens' stadium you know we, we had a double header that day and if in normal circumstances I think we could have sold that out us and Warrington I think we could have got 18,000 for that match you know, the way we're playing at the moment so yeah it's, it's a bit bittersweet at the moment but the links that we're forging you know they're going to be there for years to come. It's not just something that's going to be here for the next six months. It's There's a lot of longevity in these projects and you're talking years down the line. So the foundations are being built now. Yeah, it's all, it becomes the royal we, doesn't it? Because people who live in Salford, live in Manchester, suddenly start talking like, oh, we 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 got Wembley, aren't we? And you're looking at them and think, yeah, I, I, I encourage you to get involved in, in the club and you're jumping on this bandwagon. But the whole kind of Wembley experience isn't what it what it should have been and I put a bit on Twitter last night and felt a bit sad about it really but 
it's about what you personally make of it. I know we're not talking about Wembley. We'll save that for later in the week. But it's important this club focuses on on the next challenge and, and focuses on keeping this momentum going. And and I'm, I'm positive the players and Ian Watson will do that. Well, yeah, because they're doing everything right, aren't they? The, 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 like I said, they're delaying the foundations, aren't they? We're not just going to be a flash in the pan, hopefully. We proved that, I think, this season. Now, you know, getting to a grand final was great. We had a good run. I think Lee Mossop said that. I'm sure it was Lee Mossop who said, we, we don't want to be that flash in the pan. And I don't think we are. You know, we, we're proving it this season. We were just starting to find form before that lockdown. I think that scuppered us a bit there. And who knows what might have been if it had been just a normal season. We hadn't have had all that and it would carried on. Who knows where we'd have ended up, you know. We might have got knocked out in the cup by St. Helens because that's who we drew, wasn't it, before it all changed round. So you've just got to take the opportunities when they come along, haven't you? And, uh, and keep building and keep working. And next season, it's going to be an exciting season, but we've got an awful lot of rugby league to play this season, and you know there's there's an awful lot more stories to be written, history to be written this season. So let's let's worry about next season and in the future when that comes along. But I think Watto and the boys will just be concentrating on the next couple of weeks because we've got some massive games coming up. Yeah, the next massive game is Hull KR, and we'll talk about that now. It's so, for the Hulky R Tuesday, Paul, opportunity for Ian Watson to rotate. Last time we played Warrington under 12s or whatever Sky I'd, I'd like to you know refer to them as, I thought myself it was a bit of unfair that so we were playing this sort of a second string. This this club and this squad follow the same process. Whether you're selected in that sort of starting seventeen or whether you 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 come in when there's injuries, everyone is good enough to play, and it gives an opportunity for them players who aren't in that seventeen every week to to shine with that Wembley tie on the horizon. Yeah, definitely. And I've I've looked at the squad today, and as I said before, there's the two long guys are in there. We've got a couple of young players in there, and uh, Lewis Roberts and Connor Aspey. But the rest of the side, you know, Mark Flanning is back in, Kevin Brown's in, and the majority of the back line that played against Huddersfield's in. So I don't think it'll be that that weak this team. I think it'll be more than enough to beat Ulkingston Rovers, no disrespect to them, but I believe they've got quite a few players out injured at the moment and got a few young players in their side, so they're struggling. They've only won two games all season, and from what I've seen of them the last few weeks, they've they've shipped quite a lot of points. And I think there's only Hull in the Super League who've who've let more points in than Hull care. The two Hull clubs have got the worst defence in the league, so they do tend to ship a lot of points. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm confident that we can go out there and, uh, and get a result. I really do. I think we'll I think we'll beat Hulkingston Rovers. And I think what you'll see is, as we've said all on this podcast, players are going to use this as a as a as a chance to impress and a chance to impress on the telly and a chance to impress their coach Ian Watson and, and throw the hat in the ring for the final. Yeah, it's a good test for the players and for Ian Watson to to keep the focus on Hulkingston Rovers. It's about sending a message ahead of the cup final. Because if you can put a good score on Hulkington Rovers and able to rotate players then that's only a good thing moving forward yeah certainly I think so I think it's confidence it'll be confidence boosting for the players <clears throat> if they can win this game and go to Wembley with six from six 
as I've said about 10 times on this podcast, winning's a habit. And it's an important game for us. You don't just want to go and throw the towel in that game and then go undercooked into Wembley. You want to be going into Wembley, firing on all cylinders, full of confidence, winning matches. And 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 yeah, that we, we you want to win every game, don't you? It's pride, it's personal pride. And we've still got stuff to play for in the, in the, in the Championship as well, in the league. So um, yeah, let's keep winning matches because we've got some tough fixtures coming up, don't forget. I think we've got to play Saints, Warrington and Wigan in the coming week. So uh, this OKR game, is, is, is one of those games that you'd be targeting to get the, the two points from. Give us your score prediction, Paul. Uh, I'm not written it down yet. That's what you're going to say, huh? I have not wrote one down yet. I know they're at the back of my league express, so I'll get that tomorrow. So I'm going to well, say... Go on, you go first. Yeah, while you're thinking, Paul, uh, I think I'm going to go Salford to win. I think I think they'll, 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 they won't want to show too much for ahead of the Leeds game but they'll they'll do enough to, to, to get a result so I'm going to go Salford 22 Hull KR 6 okay how are you I'm going to go Hull Kingston Rovers 12, 12 Salford 19 19-12 Salford is there, a, is there a story behind that or just going 19-12 uh, I'll say Chris Atkins is going to drop the goal. But no, just a just a tight game, and Atkins will drop a goal. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. How did we go last week? What did we predict last week? I can't remember. I don't think we were. We and I don't either. Was any any near? Were we? I thought you wrote them down. Yeah, but I don't keep. I don't keep them to hand, Paul. Oh right. Okay. Why do you think you think you won? No, I don't think so. No. I backed us to win, but I, I can't remember what score I said, to be honest. I should write him down, really. Yeah, it could be. Hernando's could have gone for a bird. <laughs> I think that's part of the thing now, Paul, that if if if, if we, need to, we need to keep our own scores, just in case. Okay. I'll write 19-12 down. Yeah, so, so we know. I think, I think my story, uh, I think Ryan Lannan's going to score the winner. You know, to, to push us over the over the edge. Yeah, another thing I was thinking of as well. We've not really mentioned it is the uh, the amount of players that have sort of played for both clubs in recent years. There's mm. been a real massive turnover of players. I mean, you look at Okay at the moment. They've got Daniel Murray playing for him. Well, Haraki plays there, doesn't he as well? We've got Ryan Lannan, James Greenwood, Greg Burke. Uh, who else is there? Chris Atkin. Chris Wellham. Today. Chris Wellham, that's right. Ken Seal, Tyrone McCarthy. We've got a team full of ex-OKR uh, players, haven't we? And if you think back a few years ago, Corey Patterson as well, who played for both teams, haven't he? And there's, there's been loads. We've, we've had a, you know, Michael Dobson as well. There's been a real sort of um, turnover of players that have played for both teams. Yeah, and we've got extra as well with the Million Pound Miracle. We have. We've got quite a bit of issue with OKR recently, haven't we? And the, and the Golden Point win last season as well. So, uh, yeah, we've had some good days against Old Kingston Rovers recently. And uh, this is the first meeting this season between the two sides. We've not played each other yet, have we? So, I mean, Tony Smith, <coughs> excuse me, is, is in charge there at the moment. And, you know, he's a good coach. I mean, how terrific has he been at Leeds, at Huddersfield? He got them promoted to Super League, didn't he? And did a great job. Great job at Warrington winning three Challenge Cups. And all right, he lost the three grand finals. But, He's everywhere he's been. He's he's done a terrific job. I thought he was a good coach in international level as well for Great Britain and England. So he's um, a real uh, 
a real knowledgeable gentleman, isn't he, coaching? And, uh, you know, you've got like a guy like what who's probably sort of just starting his coaching career. I know he's been at Salford for five years now. Tony Smith's been around a lot longer, hasn't he, in coaching terms. And, uh, you know, both both good guys. So, uh, you know, what gets to pit his wits against, uh, against Tony Smith. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating encounter. Great podcast. Really enjoy this one, Paul. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it, Rob. Great to, uh, great to talk to you as usual and uh, looking forward to uh, Tuesday. Yeah, big thanks for tuning this week's uh, Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact and Spotify. Big thanks for joining us and we'll see you in a couple of days. Ha 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 